podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, Welsh Forest Focus. Nottingham Forest are still in the FA Cup as they face another replay they could do without, this time against Bristol City at the Seagrown on Wednesday night. We'll discuss the game with a focus on the huge list of players who are unavailable. But Nuno Espirito Santo in the company of, first of all, Reds fan Pete Blackburn. Pete, good to have you with us. Are you okay? Yeah, not bad, thanks. How are you, Matt? Good, good. Uh, sorry we're a bit late, everyone. little issue with Pete's broadband or Wi-Fi or whatever you call it these days, but he's good to go now and so are we. And so is Greg Mitchell. You okay, Greg? Yeah, always quick to uh, chuck the others under the bus when they're late, aren't you? The comments I see are uh, on, on point today already. <laughs> I haven't read the comments yet. No, we're, we're, this is kind of on time for us. We let people just, you know, make sure they're all in post on time, ready to wait. You know, so we let, they don't miss us. That's the, that's the plan, really. Right, kick us off, uh, Greg. How are you feeling just about this tie in general? And then I'll uh, give a list of all these players who aren't available. But is that the big issue for you? We've got so many missing. Well, I was a lot more excited after the weekend, thinking I was going to see these players like Reina and Rodrigo at home, like ready to go, not realising the uh, the rule about if they didn't play in the first leg, which I suppose is fair. So uh, they, the club obviously knew that. But it's going to be interesting because there's going to be players on that bench at least who've probably not ever featured in a first team fixture and I think that's always an exciting thing and that's the beauty of the FA Cup so uh, it's going to be good for players on the fringe that are really trying to to get into this squad you know it's happened already with a central defence a player that I was saying is probably never going to play for us only last month is a is a stable starter in the in the defence now isn't he so the cup can be a real real good thing for some of these players and hopefully it will be tomorrow. Uh, let's go through some of these players that aren't available. I'm bound to miss one or two from this this list. But as Greg says, um, any of the new signings who weren't registered in time for the first tie can't play. So that's uh, Matt Sells, Gio Reyna, Rodrigo Ribeiro. Anyone who's still at AFCON, obviously. And then Ryan Yates and Nicolas Dominguez are suspended because they picked up two yellow cards in the competition so far. So they're out. Uh, Chris Wood is out for up to eight weeks and we'll discuss him later. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi is a doubt. Divock Origi uh, sounds like he might play, but probably won't be fit to start. And then there's the question of, do you play Taiwo Awanyi and Anthony Alanga, given their recent returns from injuries? And we'll get into all that shortly. But just in general, Pete, I mean, are you ready to uh, not worry about the FA Cup at all? Or do you think we can still march on through this, no matter who we play? I realise it's probably not a great position to come onto a podcast and say you don't know to the first question, but I sort of don't really know where I'm <laughs> out with that, to be honest. Big, a big part of me is just terrified of what, what could end up happening in the game with players potentially getting more fatigued and more and well, or injured who we really need and are going to struggle to replace sort of internally with what we've got. But also, I mean, it's still the cup. It's still, there's still that magic as a big tie waiting. And, there's a you know there's a chance for us to find a bit of a bit of sort of joy that we've not had so much of um this season and go on a bit of a bit of a run and you never know what that can do do to players and to the club and i also i just i honestly don't know where to stand on whether it's useful for players to have minutes um or or whether they need resting and i guess in some cases it'll be one or the other a bit a bit of both so um, bit of a rubbish first answer for you to be honest but i just i just don't know how to feel about it when i was putting that team together i was quite quite scared, quite anxious, but 
um, come come tomorrow night, I'll be I'll be in the thick of it and hoping we get through. Uh, let me say a few good afternoons, people who have joined us: uh, George, Josh, Joanne, Audrey, uh, Greg, Roddy, Jeff, Ed, Justin, Jackie, James, etc., etc. Good to have everyone with us, uh, no matter where you are. Um, let's talk about a few of the just injuries in general, Greg. I suppose. I mean, we should start with Chris Wood because uh, eight weeks is a long time for a player who's been, you know, as in good form as pretty much any striker in the Premier League. To be fair. Is that a big concern for you now, especially given Taiwo's injury record? Uh, it's a big concern if Taiwo doesn't make it through on uh, Sunday. He looked sharp to an extent, Taiwo did, and then he like he really fell off. It felt, and that's the perfect time for Chris Wood to come on. So we are we are going to miss him. Like I didn't expect to see Rodrigo play really this season. <laughs> didn't think it was a signing for now, and so yeah, Chris Wood's a huge loss especially when a lot of us wrote him off for this season saying he wouldn't be playing and, you know, he's been superb for us. He's got the goals, he's held the ball up. So we do need a player to to step up to what he was doing and keep fit. It's crucial because if Taiwo goes down, we are so short and I'd, I'm, not, I'm unsure what we'd do, to be honest. What do you think about the wood injury, Pete? And also, uh, we might look to Divock Origi now. I think he would have gone, uh, but I guess he'll stay now. Do you have any faith in a Chris Wood-esque resurrection for Divock Origi or have you, have you written him off? Well, I think most of us have probably had to do some mea culpas around Chris Wood and make some apologies. Um, he's been phenomenal, really, this season. And, I, I mean, I think he's in the, in the very sort of nine, in the top 90, 90th, 93rd percentile, I think, sorry, um, for non-penalty goals across the top leagues in Europe. Um, and he's outperforming his expected non-penalty goals as well. I mean, if you told me some of this stuff a few months ago, I would not have believed you. Um, and I was, just like many of us, uh, pretty pretty sceptical about his signing and concerned about what it meant in terms of um, finance and stuff. But he's been he's been phenomenal. I think eight goals and one assist from 800-odd minutes of football. And it's worth remembering that until relatively recently, with Taiwo's unfortunate injury, most of that was off the bench as well. Um, most of those those minutes, so it's been it's been a phenomenal effort from him. Um, and I suppose there's a lesson to be learned there, like you, you've hinted at. Um, most of us have written Origi off. I think uh, I think we were expecting him to go in January. Um, if not, we were probably still expecting him to go, um, perhaps to MLS. But like you say, I'm not sure if we can afford to do that now. And look, there has to be a player in there somewhere that can perform at this level. Uh, it might not be uh, the 90 minute starter that we. Uh, that we that we may need if Taiwo's injured, but he has shown before that he can have an impact uh, in Premier League games and in Europe. And let's face it, we don't really have an awful lot of choice at the moment, so we're going to have to get behind him and hope that he can step up if we do need him. Uh, in the comments, Greg Oram was asking, and a few I've seen a few people ask this: Should we go in for a free agent striker, Greg? Obviously, we went for Chubrak on one deadline day. Uh, the players we do have do have pretty checkered injury records. But if you get a free agent in on the flip side of that, they're probably way out of match fitness in most cases. So is it, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul in that sense? What do you think about signing a free agent? We may well have to. I saw Richard Spray in the comments saying uh, about Origi, saying if, if it was clear Wood was out, like he didn't play in the last game, so he, he may well be injured. And if that's the case, Taiwo goes down, you're relying on... You know, Rodrigo, who's who's not, he's, he shouldn't be expected to have that on his shoulders yet. 
Um, I'm sure these free agency players, a lot of them are going to keep up their fitness to an extent. It might take two or three weeks, but we may well have to because it, it could get to that desperate stage. And we, we're obviously not afraid to spend when when needed. Uh, so if there is one out there, then, uh, yeah, I could see it happening. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I just don't Diego Costa. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> when well, he he just sort of did it for Wolves. I think he got one goal or something. Like yeah, in the whole I see Dwight Gale. I see someone. So, so that's the type of player you're looking at. So I've kind of yeah, changed my mind now. Says so no, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you could. There's always the thing of playing a false nine with Morgan Gibbs White and mm. stuff like that as well. Um, Origi was a topic in the press conference, and Nuno said he's probably available. So I suspect he'll be on the bench at least. Um, might as well go to our lineups. Uh, I suppose it's a bit early in the show, but it's, a bit, it's, it's the big talking point. Just before that, um, a plug for our sponsor, the Trent Navigation. Uh, you can go down there for pre-match uh, as normal. There's all the build-up, uh, fast serve bars, barbecue, food court, live music, uh, quite possibly as well, and then uh, even more so for the Newcastle game. But we'll talk more about that later in the week. But yeah, uh, get down to the Nav pre-match, uh, and then post-match, hopefully to enjoy a win. But this team lineup might well. Uh, decide a lot of that. Before we do, here's uh, just a quick usual video so you can see what it's all about on match days. Uh, we'll start with a lineup. Uh, well, mine and Pete. I did mine first, and I looked at Pete's, and it's virtually identical. So I've only done one lineup between us. So I'll put that on the screen. Then we'll come to Greg's, and then I've done a bit of a, a maverick one that could uh, negate a couple of our problems, but I don't think we'll see it. So this is this is my lineup, um, and it's basically name is Pete. I'll talk through it. Um, Matt Turner in goal because, as we say, Matt Sells can't play. Uh, Montiel uh, right back, and then Murillo and Niacase centre backs for me. The only difference is that Pete had Omavamadeli in instead of uh, Niacate. Toflo left-back, uh, Danilo and Coyate sitting. Coyate returning from international duty and then uh, bereavement leave, I guess, whatever the term is, after the sad death of his father, that he should be back in the squad now. Nico Williams one side, Anthony Langer the other, and then Gibbs White in behind, Tywo Awonyi. Um, give us your take on it, Pete, and then I'll say a few words and see what people make of it in the comments. Yeah, I mean, I think the lineup I sent to you, actually, I'd gone for Omabamadeli over Murillo rather than Nierkate because oh, okay, it felt to me like there was there was one opportunity to get one of those key men arrest in that, and that was Murillo for me because the drop off is less significant, certainly defensively, um, to Nierkate than than it is for some of those other key players that I'm sort of slightly concerned about. So for me, it felt like an op- an opportunity just to get him out of the team and just give him a little break. I know that. Every game we think Murillo is injured because of the way he sort of starts hobbling around the pitch and such like, and perhaps that's just how he does things. Um, but I don't think we need him in this game, so I do, I do wonder whether it's an opportunity to give him a rest. Otherwise, I mean, this is this is a nightmare exercise, really. I, I don't, I really don't envy Nuno having to do this um, in real life because my instinct was, how can I get Gibbs White, Taiwo, Alanga? time away from the pitch so that they can rest up for that big game against Newcastle at the weekend. But given the state of the squad, I just think it's incredibly difficult to do that. Um, And what I've sort of landed on, and I guess this is probably where you came to as well, Matt, is that we go strong, 
like Nuno tends to do in in these games and in every game since he's since he's come to the club, go strong, take the game to the opposition, and then we hope that things things fall in our favour and we've got um, we've got a bit of a bit of headroom, I guess, as as soon as possible in the game, and, and get, we can give some some rest to the likes of Tywo and Gibbs White and Alanga, and that's where I'm at with it. I mean, I I don't I don't come to this with a great deal of conviction, and if if Nuno decided that it's too much of a risk to put Taiwo out there, I'd be absolutely fine with it. And to be honest, I, I, I wouldn't criticise him if we went out if we went out of the cup because we were trying to protect players at this point. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I've sort of come to. Well, you'll be pleased to know you've uh, won Pat Brett over after he was le- less impressed with your previous team for the, I think it was Bournemouth, wasn't it? So uh, every cloud, Pete. That's, that's made my day. <laughs> Sounds it. <laughs> uh, I love um, I love Nico Williams playing in more of an attacking role. I do. I think he's crying out to be that kind of player, isn't he? So, if this is the opportunity to get him further up in that midfield, I think that's a great shout. Uh, I'll just put the team up. There was a couple of things I was going to say about it. Um, I mean, all of us have got no Nuno Tavares at left back, and we'll probably come on to that. I didn't want to play, and I don't want to play Taiwo particularly, um, but I think we probably will end up because uh, Isapar Otong, uh, the young striker we have, played for 60 minutes last night for the B team. So I think that kind of writes him off as a starter. Um, that's probably writes him off as featuring, I'd imagine, with sports science. So, uh, yeah, I would have probably had him starting, but I would hope now that Taiwo plays 50 minutes and Origi's available for 40 or something like that. And I wouldn't play Alanga either, but I think he will, and I would have probably given Nuno Tavares a go on the left wing uh, just to see if it suits him better because he does have the attributes to to play there. I mean, he is athletic and he can put a good cross in. But that was my kind of thinking. Um, just on, uh, I mean, we, do we always put Toffolo in our team just because we're, you know, we love him, Greg? Or, or should we see more in Nuno Tavares in this kind of game? No, I think Toffolo should be playing. He, he's a steady Eddie, isn't he? And he's that, like I say, we're, we're certainly looking for a captain now and I feel like he's captain material if he keeps his performances up. So yeah, he's going to be desperate to play in a game like this. It's the FA Cup, you know, it's a chance to to get Man U at our place. It's a huge game and a huge opportunity. So Toffolo's the right kind of player with the right mentality to be in this game. Mm, I suppose, Pete, um, Bristol City fans and certainly players and management They'll say they won't read too much into it, but they're going to look at this and think, oh, yes, please, aren't they? They're going to keep fancy their chances. Well, maybe, but I think that's a, I still think it's a pretty strong 11. I mean, if they know about the state of some of the, the players' fitness, perhaps they'll be more encouraged. But I think that's a strong 11 that, that could that could very well take the game to them and be up comfortably at half-time. I, I really don't think we should rule that prospect out, and I'd be pretty positive if that's the way that Nuno goes. Um so I'm not too sure about that. I think that's a better. I think it's a better team than theirs. I think there's lots of players in there that can hurt Bristol City. I think their form's pretty uninspiring. And they've won one in eleven away from home, um, three draws and two losses in the last five. I think um, overall. Um, I mean, they come they come with threats. Um, I realise you haven't actually asked me about Bristol City, but um, I'm talking about them. Anyway. They do come with threats. I mean, they're, they're good. They're good at set pieces in both boxes, and that's obviously a concern for Forest, given the way things have gone this season. But we did look stronger um, against Bournemouth, I thought. So I'm not too concerned about that. I think there's industry and energy about them. They've got quite a young core. They do a lot of attacking down the left, through, particularly through Cameron Pring. 
But that team that we've got, Montiel and Nico on the right hand side, you'd fancy you'd fancy them to be able to do a job um, in terms of defending against that that threat. But also, I think we've seen from Nico in recent weeks when he's played in that advanced role, like Greg talked about, that he's really been incredibly positive. He's shown a lot of intent. He really does. Um, look to drive up the pitch, get to the byline. So I think he should be able to push push their left back, bring back as well. Um, so no, I, uh, I realise I've sort of banged on quite a lot there in response to quite a short question. But no, I, I would be actually relatively positive that there's a there's a decent chance of that team taking the game to them and and having us in a good position at half time and hopefully being able to rest some of those key men. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, it is a strong enough team to beat a championship team with all due respect to them. I mean, Koyate probably isn't a 90-minute man, but every other player there has played decent Premier League football, certainly. Just that we have laboured a little bit in the cuff to to get where we are with stronger teams. I mean, one player I'd love to have seen get a rest would be Gibbs White, because I thought he looked a little tired against Bournemouth. He came back to not too early, but earlier than expected from injury. But I think we'll certainly uh, have to play him. But we do have Gio Reyna as a, an option for the league games, uh, certainly. Let's put Greg's uh, team up. Slightly different, quite similar, sorry, but there are a couple of interesting uh, different options that he's thrown in there. So as ever, I'll uh, read it out for people who are listening, not watching. Um, Matt Turner and Goal also back for the same. Montiel, uh, Omar Bamadeli, in this case, Nia Kate, Harry Toffolo, uh, left-back. And then midfield, uh, Czech Koyate. And then interestingly, Murillo, uh, which is what people have been clamouring for, uh, or some fans certainly have. Nico Williams, right wing. Gibbs White in behind a one knee. And then Danilo, where sort of, I guess it's going to be in that Dominguez role. of not of not a full-on winger, but as a more uh, an advanced number eight who can give support from the left. Um, talk us through it, Greg, especially Murillo, because that's the interesting name as a central, as, as a defensive midfielder. A disclaimer, I have had... Uh help with this from an unnamed person but uh you know when I, I stand next to Steve Allen bless him every game like for my sins and he's been banging on about Murillo playing <laughs> further up for ages so as soon as I saw this one I thought yeah let's go for that um people saying about resting Murillo and I know people say I'm always trying to sell him I'm not you know just talk <laughs> the, the experts are now you know talking about him being an eventual replacement for Van Dijk at Liverpool he is a such a good player I think a player of that quality for however long we have him every minute he's available we play him you know he's young he's solid he's got to be starting every game I don't care what it is to be honest if he's available he's there um and all the others are just through necessity really I'd love Taiwo to be able to give him a rest you know he looked tired towards the end of the Bournemouth game so maybe he just plays 50-60 minutes and we we hope and pray that he's wrapped in cotton wool and off the pitch but again that's one of necessity uh, and I'm just excited about Nico I sat on the front row at Bournemouth really like don't think I've ever been so close to the action and watching Nico Williams close up he excites you even more he's such a quality player going forward so taking away that defensive responsibility a little bit, giving him a bit more freedom to to head up that wing and get the balls in, takes a bit more pressure off Gibbs White. He can push up a little bit further. 
Uh, so I just think it's a, a good one to experiment a little bit still with as about a solid team as we could put out, a strong team as we can put out. What, what's your view on Murillo in midfield, Pete? Um, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't push back massively on the idea of, of him playing in midfield. I, I, I mean, I'd be pretty intrigued to see it and like to see how it goes. He's obviously got the range of passing. There's a deafness of touch about him, and he does he does seem like he can operate in small in sort of small tight space as well. And he's pressed to the, to the byline. He seems to wriggle out of space um, on occasion. So he has some of the skills to do the job, and you know, I'd be interested to, to see it. I would push back, however, on on the sort of idea of resting him being sort of. Well, Greg didn't say ridiculous, but not you know he wants wants him in the team. For me, the worry I have about Marillo is, is is when you look at his body, he is just so big, and he's really carrying a lot of sort of muscle and quite a stout shape for a, a player of his age. And I, I I just worry about whether it's realistic for him to be playing an awful lot of games. Um, he he looks like the sort of footballer who might pick up injuries to me. Um, I really hope that's not the case, but given how good he is and how much impact he can have for us, not only defensively, but being, you know, arguably one of our biggest attacking threats in the way that he can progress the ball from from the back, both with his with his feet and with his dribbling. Um I I really want to be careful with him. And I mean the the fixture list is looking pretty tough for us. There's a lot of games and they're difficult games as well. So I'm I'm just wary of um asking him to do too much. Um, I may be talking absolute absolute nonsense. I'm certainly not a, an expert on body types and that sort of thing, but I do look at him and the way that he often ends up limping through games. And I just I just worry about sort of protecting him for the games where we really need him. Mm. I, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm skeptical about it to be honest because I think yeah, it's so different playing as a defensive midfield to defence. Like the games all around you as a midfielder, and I worry you get caught on the ball and make a lot of mistakes because it's such a change. Uh, but I wouldn't be against it in this game just because we are sure and it would be a good option to see. And also his ceiling as a defender is so high, like full on Liverpool, Man City uh, high and you know Barcelona, Real Madrid. If he get if he really gets his head down and gets some luck along the way, then I think he's that good. So yeah, long term for me, definitely a central defender. But in, in isolation in this match, then yeah, I think it's uh, perfectly fine, definitely. Um, what about in goal, Greg? We've all gone for Turner. Mm. Uh, I guess there's, you could play he's, with Podemos, but yeah, he's just he's. I still think he's clearly Nuno's second choice keeper. So get him some minutes. You know, he's he's going to be the one who's who starts if we have any injuries or you know suspensions. Uh, he's going to be the one going in. So if that is the case, then God, he's got to have minutes. He's got to get confidence, uh, and this would be the game to do it. The only game to do it, really. Yeah, you talk about confidence. There's an interesting quote from him. He was interviewed by Goal in, um, probably last week, I'd say, uh, and it's come out this week. Um, he said, everything that could possibly have gone wrong in certain moments has gone completely wrong. Sometimes as a goalkeeper, you might get away with one or two things. It feels like this season I've got away with zero. It's tough to take. I mean, I don't don't really agree that he's got away with zero. I think he's got away with some things, but I do feel for him as a person and as a goalkeeper, you know, you are so in the spotlight, you are the last line of defence. So I would love to him for him to come in and have a really good game uh, and just boost his confidence, even though, you know, he's not, not going to be our number one, but I really like to think there's more to him than, than we've seen. But um, yeah, he'd definitely be my choice. You as well, Pete? 
Sorry, I was just distracted by um, Paul Cope in the comments, slagging off, <laughs> slagging off my uh, interior design. I think yellow, <laughs> What's yellow, it walls, and, yellow walls and grey curtains is fine, isn't it? It might be Pete's <laughs> wife's choice there, Paul. You might have really... Uh, no, no I'm not throwing her, Don't throw her under the bus. It was, it was all, <laughs> it's all my work and I'll take responsibility. Yellow makes me feel happy, Paul, and if you don't want me to be happy, then that's not a very nice thing, all right? Um, uh yeah, sorry, what were we talking about? Oh, Turner. Um, yeah, look, I think Turner's our second best keeper. I'm really, I'm not keen to sort of relitigate all of the arguments between the, the goalkeepers because we've done this to death, haven't we? And I mean, I think some of us ended up having a bit of a Twitter conversation not so long ago about um, what this might do to the confidence of the goalkeepers and such like. And I, look, I think Turner's our second best goalkeeper. I worry about what sort of message it would send if you now essentially tell him that he's not. Um, after having already signed someone to replace him, I think the easiest thing to do is to is to put him in the team for this game um, and just give him a chance and hope that he you know he doesn't have a stinker. I mean, look, I think we might have overhyped some of the Turner st- stuff because the mistakes have been incredibly high profile and they're obviously in a massive spotlight for us because we're fans and because the Premier League is that's just the way it is. It's it's big business, but there are things to like about his game. Um, I do think he can be proactive coming coming off his line sometimes, more proactive than plenty of keepers that we've seen at the City Ground in the past. Um, I mean, look, I'm making I'm, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate to an extent here because obviously he's really struggles with his feet and he's made some really serious errors. But I do think there are things to like about his game, and I I think his character it says a lot about his character the way he comes back from these mistakes, and you know he looks he he looks like he's still he's still giving it every after every time that ball goes in his net and it's his fault. So I'm I'm just not desperately keen to keep sort of throwing him under the bus more and I think we should try and protect his confidence for now because, you know, who knows what might happen to Matt Sells and if you know, if he gets injured, then one of them's going to have to play. And my position before we signed Sells was that Turner was the best man for that job and I'm not, I'm not changing that now, I don't think. No, this would be very Forrest to sign a goalie and then he gets injured after all that uh, last-minute panic. So, yeah, we've got to give Turner our backing. I've done one other lineup as an alternative, and I don't think it will happen, but it does negate a couple of the problems. Um, it's a 3-4-3, three, three, uh, which Nuno did play extensively for Wolves. I mean, this was more of his formation than the one we see now for Forrest. So I'll just read it out um, and people can give it some food for thought. Turner in goal, uh, the back three of Omar Bamadeli, Niakate and Murillo. Then wing-backs of Williams and Toffolo, Danilo and Coyate in midfield, and then out wide, Ilanga and Tavares in support of a false nine in Gibbs-White. And the reason I picked it is because it negates needing to play Taiwo more than anything. Um, so I think someone in the comments said, why don't we go three at the back? I don't know. What do you what do you think, Pete, in principle of Morgan as a false nine? Um, in principle, Morgan as a false nine isn't something that I have an issue with. In fact, I mean, going back to that chat we had earlier about looking at the free agent market, I had a look at that myself uh, a couple of days ago and was absolutely horrified by what I saw. So um, my my position would be, I think, if 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 we ended up with a, a long-term injury to Tyro, that I would, I think I would, if I was in Nuno's shoes, I'd probably commit to that um, as an option, playing Gibbs White there and using um, Rayner in a slightly deep, uh, deeper 10 role. Um, so I mean, look, it's not it's not ideal. Um, I think that team's fine, and I don't think it would be a disastrous a disastrous lineup. Um, 
also the, one of the good things about it is that it commits to i don't know if i don't know if you guys have been having messages from mikey clark in the last few days but he's become obsessed with this idea of twin fullbacks which i think he wants to patent um so you, you I, I get a lot of messages from Mikey, but I'm not that one. What's twin? No, no. Well, I had one about five minutes before I came on. He was desperate for me to change my team, I think. But um, <laughs> he, he's he's very keen for Toffolo and Tavares and Williams and Montiel to be a, an option. So maybe we could do that in the sort of uh, three, four, three, or four, uh, or or in like a four, two, 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 or something. So that could be an option. What, are they just standing in on in front of each other? Is this one for Mikey? One Honestly, Mike, I don't know how it works. He lives under the it would have multi-ball if he could. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey loves a nil-nil, so he'd probably want four centre backs, four full backs, a keeper, and whatever's left there in my terrible maths. So that does sound very Mikey. Um on Monday, Greg, we were discussing centre halves at length with me, Fletch, and Temps. Uh it was a good debate to check it out. I mean, Fletch was quite not adamant, but confident that Nia Kate and Murillo is the best long-term pairing. And like I said to him, uh, I'm not so sure about that just yet, but what would be your preference if you were picking a team right now, for a, more for a Premier League game than this game? Um, it depends how Nia Kate comes back for a Premier League game. One thing we've missed with missing him is his throw-ins. You know, as a, a dogged, uh, lower, you know, fighting for a life's Premier League team, Turning a throw-in into a corner can be invaluable. And I think if he's a capable centre-back, which he clearly is, having that attacking option as well is is crucial. So I think if he's fit, uh, especially away from home, he plays because, you know, we need every every chance possible to get that ball into the, into the box. Um, but, you know, we've got options at least, haven't we? Who'd have thought we could lose McKenna and Worrell this time last year? And still seemingly have a stronger, a stronger squad at the back. So uh, I'm not too concerned who starts with Murillo. I think the only clear thing is Murillo starts in uh, in every game. He's probably got the most secure spot in that squad at the minute. Yeah, it is a good debate. It's a, it's a welcome debate to have. Um, just before we come on to Joe Worrell leaving, we did discuss that yesterday, but I'll get these lads' take on it. Uh, if you're enjoying the video, do us a favour, hit like and subscribe. 428 people with us in the middle of an afternoon, which is great. So if you haven't already subscribed, then help us out and do that. And you can consider becoming a member on YouTube and give us a good review on iTunes. I've talked over the seven seconds there. Um, we Joe Worrell, we discussed yesterday, Pete. It wasn't official then, it is now, so it's... Just get your take quick of you, each of you quickly on it. Like I think I said yesterday, I feel a bit sad if this is how it ends, to go from those Wembley scenes of raising the trophy to... It's not like a, an ignominious exit to go to Turkey. It's a good league, but it's probably not what any of us would have, or he would have wanted. How, how do you feel about it? Well, I, I think the issue is not where he's gone, um, the standard of the league or, or the football club. I mean, he's he's gone to have some pretty great experiences over there, I should imagine. Um, it's more so the way things have played out in recent weeks, I guess. Um, I think I said last time I was on here, you asked me about Worrell and um, that picture of him at uh, the council house. I can't remember who took it now, but it was an amazing photo with the the sort of the ribbon streaming everywhere. That's still still the wallpaper on my phone. As I said last time, I think it will be for a, for quite a while. Um, and I think we have to we have to accept that a lot of the time we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You hear whispers. You hear one side of a story sometimes. Um, I, I couldn't say for sure what has happened with Joe Worrell um, and the football club. There's obviously been some some fallings out. But what we can say for sure is that. Joe has contributed an awful lot to this football club. 
he made certainly made me and i won't speak for everyone he made me feel connected to my football club um being a local lad and playing out there captaining our team um and not only did he contribute during some difficult times where he was one of the few voices on the pitch who seemed to be wanting to drag performances out of teams that were woefully underperforming that we we really struggled to watch from the stands but he was a, a massive part of this momentous promotion and our return to the Premier League and you know I can't think back to that day at Wembley without just breaking into a massive smile and remembering what it meant to be there with my friends and family and to be hugging all those people I hold dear as we as we return to Premier League and he's a big part of that so no matter what's happened um, I really don't think that we should be focusing on on those negatives now I think we it, he deserves he deserves better than for fans to be slagging him off, um, in my opinion, especially when most of us don't know the full the full picture. Um, I think it probably is the end of his time at Forest. I mean, stranger things have happened, um, but it seems likely that he'll have uh, a spell in Turkey um, before probably getting a move to another Premier League or high high end Championship team. Probably high end Championship, I'd imagine. Um, and it'll be it'll be a shame, as you said on the podcast yesterday. It's one more link from that team gone and there's not an awful awful lot left um and it'll probably be a long time before we have the sort of academy representation the local representation in in our first team uh, again so i think it's worth cherishing what we had with joe and thanking him for for everything he contributed yeah that's true and a good point about the academy like the academy's got to catch up uh, in terms of producing premier league players it's so hard i mean you look, look like man city and chelsea who have they got in their team, well, now they've got a few like Foden, but it took years and years. So I think Forrest have got a bit of catching up to do there. Um, I think, was it Ollie said in the comments it was Amy Ford's photo? I think it was. Um, <laughs> I've got it there. That's uh, okay. got it. Yeah, no. it, it was Amy Ford's photo. And yeah, she works at Forest now. Fantastic photographer. That's why I put that up for, uh, for Joe today. You know, it's been lovely watching some of the clips of his forest time over the last couple of days, that incredible tackle with his forehead uh, against Leicester kind of sums the bloke up and sums his heart up. When we did our um, uh, Armistice Day display, we had uh, a interview with Joe and Gary Bertles, actually. Um, you know, they'd shared, I think they had namesakes of, of soldiers from Nottingham that went out to war and never returned. And, the way Joe spoke back then, not only about the club, but about his city, uh, just a fans- fantastic ambassador for Nottingham and for Forest. you know. Yeah, it, it didn't end perfectly, but it rarely does, does it, in the cutthroat Premier League? Uh, and I'm sure he'll have a fantastic career if he doesn't come back. Uh, they're certainly lucky to have him. You know, we, we have to remember the Premier League's the best league in the world with the best players in the world. This guy's Hucknall, isn't he? I think from Hucknall's come through all the ranks, you know, the leagues, the lot. He helped get us promoted. He was captain, you know, lifted that trophy, some incredible memories. And I just think that, you know, we'll do well to remember what he has done for this club in the most important season in generations for us. Uh, and I just hope he, he goes on now and has a, an amazing career, whether that's with us again eventually or elsewhere, that whatever team has him will be lucky to have that captain uh, in their squad, in their team. 
Two good words from both of you chaps. Very good. Uh, we'll just do a bit of a news roundup before we go. Uh, Huang Ijo looks like he's going as well to Turkey. We seem to be sending quite a few players there. Uh, Alanya Spore, if I'm saying that right. I don't think that's been confirmed, but it seems like it's a goer. And Forrest have appointed a chap called Simon Forster to the board. I don't know too much about him, but a quick bit of research says he's had a lot of uh, retail experience with Selfridges working his way up to the point that he was CEO for a year. Uh, it doesn't sound like it was the most successful year, but obviously he's got a lot of expertise. Well, it's true. Uh, well, according to reports, um, in retail. So he's got a great track record, um, you know, built up a very strong reputation. And I, th- I think it sounds, I mean, we don't, I can't say too much about it, Pete, but it sounds like a good thing to get people who've worked for big organisations, uh, professionals who know what they're doing. I mean, it sounds like a, a step in the right direction, I guess. Yeah, as you say, I don't know. I don't know an awful lot about him at all, personally. But you can't have enough good quality people uh, in in those those positions, and particularly as we've seen in recent weeks, the financial side of things is really important um, with profit and sustainability. We need to be maximising commercial opportunities, um, and if you can help to do that, then great, because those are the sort of steps you can take to offset some of the. Um, the pain, the financial pain of player recruitment and especially when player recruitment goes wrong, which it inevitably will do um, because it's expensive. So we need to make the very most of our of our club. And if there's going to be future development, uh, we'll need we'll need commercial to to tie in with that as well. So um, I think all all welcome appointments, um, good people in important roles is what we need. Yeah, true. Uh, also, Forrester buying Hearts Restaurant. I saw that. Uh, that was uh, in the West Bridgeford Wire as well. But I don't know why, as Steve Sully asked. Again, I guess it's commercial opportunity. And like Pete says, anything to make a few quid, we shall certainly take. Uh, Greg, you want Can to I just, Yeah, I went Hearts the, last year, and it does need improving a bit, to be honest. So hopefully we'll do a good <laughs> job of that in our restaurant expertise. But um, do you think, like, with financial fair play, it's actually a shrewd way of going around things where if we start buying restaurants and hotels and things like that, can that help towards our finances? Because it's the football club buying it and not the, the owner. Is it a new little way that, that we can get around life, things? Yeah. We'll own win a real life game of Monopoly. So. I don't know. Um, like Gary Neville buying up all the houses in Manchester. Can we start doing that and funding the club that way? It could be a, an interesting one to watch. It could be. I literally have no idea. <laughs> Do you have any insight on the intricacies of FFP and buying up hotels? Absolutely none. But I, and I, I don't know whether <laughs> Forrest, I'm not sure, how, not sure how much Forest have got either. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess ultimately, if they if they make money these these operations, then it's it's good for the it's good for the club. Um, I just found it strange that it was the football club buying it and not obviously Mr. Marianakis, which you'd think he would do if it was a private enterprise. It must benefit the club to have that. And they said these offices on the first floor as well, so. Yeah, strange one. Well, yeah. I, th- I mean, I don't think Forest have a particularly big sort of footprint as a, a Premier League football club. If you think about the city ground, it's pretty tight. There's not an awful, awful lot of facilities there. And I think the same applies to the training ground as well. So, I mean, I've got no insight into what they're intending to use this for. They mentioned about office spaces, as you said. But the football club does need to expand if it's going to remain uh, remain at this level. And I, I know the, the club have looked at alternative sites for development for some time um so hopefully it's it's all with a view to to progressing things off the pitch 
Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, no, we know we shouldn't reference other, you know, football clubs down the road, but Leicester have invested 100 million quid in a top academy and I've been to Derby's academy and it's pretty decent, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, the Still whole League One in Championship though, aren't they? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, they were Premier League at the time when I went and Billy Davis was the manager, so uh, it was during that, <laughs> that season. So going back many years, but yeah, I think Pete's right. We've got to keep moving forward as a football club as much as we can and yeah, doing this and appointing Simon Forster sounds like a, a good move in the right direction, certainly. Right, uh, I think that brings us to the end uh, of play. Any other business, Greg Mitchell? For once, it's football-based. Uh, no music, no... Um, basically, the Fan Advisory Board, which has it's been getting... I've seen mixed comments on Twitter and Facebook and all that, but um, for Forza, for our group, a lad called Harry's been involved and he's done an incredible job, really. Um, and I'd really... Before, you know, making your own mind up about it and this, that, just go and have a read of Forza's article on basically, it's like the minutes really of the, the first initial meeting and there's a, a lot of takeouts from it. So uh, if you do get a chance, I'll retweet it after this. Um, just go and read Forza's right up of the, the first one and hopefully um, as fans, we can get something from this this new relationship with the club. Good, good stuff. Pete, anything from you? Yeah, just one thing. I mean, it's not strictly forest-related, if you don't mind, but I just wanted to congratulate the Notts County Foundation, I think formerly known as Football in the Community. Um, they've recently secured the future of the Portland Leisure Centre. Um, they were running a funding campaign, I think it's called Raise the Roof, something along those lines, um, which raised 15 grand for essential repairs to the building. Um, for anyone sort of local, you'll, you'll probably know it's a, quite an old building, Portland Leisure Centre, but really, really important one for communities like the Meadows and, and West Bridgeford. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only person who has fond sort of sporting memories from my youth there. Um, but perhaps most importantly now, I think the foundation runs quite a number of important schemes from Portland, particularly helping some of the most vulnerable and disadvantaged people in, in the county. Um Everyone knows it's an incredibly difficult time for everyone, really, particularly the char- charitable sector with more and put more people needing help and local authorities being particularly cash-strapped. So I just wanted to say congrats to them and I think we should all be very proud and thankful of the work that organisations like theirs do. Good. I've got some good words today. You're on form, Pete. You're doing well. You're doing well. I know you as well, Greg, with some good words about Warrell. And you've got some support from uh, Bet MMA about your decor, although he's 15 minutes behind, so he'll be uh, getting this later. But he says, I think the uh, I think the yellow and grey works well. So watch that in 15 minutes and you'll be happy. Go on, Greg. What are you going to say? No, thanks for the afterthought about... Yeah, you spoke all right as well, Greg. Cheers. <laughs> 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 That's all right. It's fine. You know we love you. You know I love you. <laughs> Someone, can I just say, I had one nice comment about twenty minutes ago. Someone saying it looked like I'd lost weight. So, thank you. I read that and smiled. It's not often we get nice things like that. Have you lost weight? I've been to the gym a bit, but no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you're looking trim. I'm trying to smother you with compliments now because I feel bad for not Cheers. saying you very well straight away. But you did. <laughs> right, we'll be back tomorrow uh, post-match for the Bristol City game, obviously, and then Thursday to review it, look more ahead to Newcastle. Uh, hopefully, I've got something to put out on Friday. I'm just waiting to um, seal the deal on that. And then uh, post-match Newcastle on Saturday. Uh, thanks very much to everyone who's joined, over 400 people, which is great for a preview of an FA Cup replay. Uh, Pete, thanks very much. 
Thank you, and thanks to everyone. It's been uh, enjoyable reading the comments today. It has. It has. Uh, Greg, thank you very much. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Cheers, everyone. Yep, have a good day, everyone, uh, and we shall catch you tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.